The following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. I'm your host, Hollywood Wade, and we have here a very special episode for you guys today. This has been in the works for a little while, and what it is is it's a new series that we're starting to drop. Now, it's not going to come every week, or we don't have a set time for it. This is the first one because it's better, honestly, if you watch it over on YouTube, but we understand sometimes that's hard for people, and you still want to hear the episode, so you'll get all the the context of what we're doing is just if you watch it on the YouTubes, we play some of the clips from the people that we're referring to uh, in the background. So it's a little bit better viewing experience, but you're still going to get the same information on the audio side. And it is called Behind the Gangster. Now, the premise of this episode is how many times have you watched a movie like Goodfellas or Casino and you see something happen and you wonder, hey, is that how it happened in real life? That's what we do here on Behind the Gangster. We find somebody either closely involved, closely related, or someone has done a ton of research on the subject, and we kind of get down to the brass tacks and find out where Hollywood took liberties and some of the things that they put on screen, because we all know that happens. Goodfellas is what we're covering today. The character is Tommy DeSimone, played by Joe Pesci, and obviously right off the bat, you know, I'll give you a little hint. There's a noticeable size difference in between Pesci and the real Tommy Simone, But that's what we're going to get into here on today's episode of Behind the Gangster. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Hollywood Wade alongside former Gambino member Anthony Ruggiano Jr., who was at one time proposed for membership into the family. Anthony, how are you? I'm good. How, how are you? I'm doing well. Now, look, the purpose of this show today is called Behind the Gangster. And what we're going to do, because we know sometimes Hollywood glorifies things. They put their spin on things that's maybe not true to form to how it happened in real life. I'm sure you know about that. Yes, I do. I sure do. <laughs> okay, so today the first guest we're going to cover is probably one of the more famous roles in all of the gangster movies is Tommy Simone in the movie Goodfellas, who was obviously portrayed by Joe Pesci, as I'm sure people know. So now you knew Tommy on a personal level, correct? Yeah, so as far as the question with Tommy DeSimone, yeah, I knew Tommy DeSimone on a personal level, and I knew him over a long period of time. Actually, I knew him, I met him when I was a kid and up until the time of his disappearance, and throughout those years, we had a lot of interactions, him and I, and um, later on, his brother Bobby actually, um, Bobby DeSimone became very close with us and actually winded up becoming my father's co-defendant on the federal case my father went to prison for. So actually, we had a, a, a relationship with, with his whole family. 
Okay. Well, I think probably the first thing we should cover is, unlike in Casino, where he portrayed Anthony Spilotra, he looked really similar to the real-life guy. Yeah. But in Goodfellas, not so much, because Tommy was a big guy. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, how the size difference between, you know, Tommy and Pesci and the, was the charisma the same? We know the size wasn't the same, but what about the charisma, the attitude, the short temper? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, as far as Joe Pesci, I mean, listen, he did a great job. He did, I mean, he won an Academy Award. For yeah. But as far as him portraying Tommy, looks, Tommy looked more like a movie star than Joe Pesci. Tommy was tall. He was handsome. He had a lot of charisma. He was a great dresser. He was a really sharp dresser. And when, you know, when Tommy walked into a room, you know, people knew he was in the room. And, uh, you know, he was, um, he was a killer. You know, he was, I mean, he was, he wasn't, he was crazy, but, you know, like Peschke, um, made it a little more, you know, Hollywood. Right. Uh, but he was, he did shoot. The spider in the in the club. I mean, you know, um, he was a killer, like I said, and he was. Um, but he he was crazy, but he wasn't crazy like that. I, right. I, you know, and with me, he was great with me. I mean, you know, he would take me out with him. You know, he would he would come to my father's bar. My father owned a bar in Brooklyn called Bulldogs, and I was a kid. I was about twenty at the time, and um, he used to hang out with this guy named Paulie G that was with my father. Because, my, you know, Tommy was with the Lucchese's and we were with the Gambinos. Right. So we were two separate crime families, but we were all good friends because my father had a great relationship with Paulie Vario. So he would come to my father's bar in uh, in, in Brooklyn, Bulldogs, to pick up Paulie G, and I would be there. And he would look at me and he goes, what, what are you doing? I said, nothing. You know, I'm hanging out. He goes, you want to come out with us tonight? And I would... I would say, yeah, of course, definitely. So he would tell my father, listen, Andy, I'm going to take your son out with me tonight. And my father would look at him. He goes, you're going to take my son out? He goes, make sure you don't get my son in no trouble because he knew Tommy was crazy, you know. <laughs> so he would tell Tommy, don't get my son in no trouble. And Tommy would go, no, no, we're just going to go. We're going to go to the Pan Am room or we're going to go to, to uh, Conrad's Cloud room, which was all these nightclubs back then in the day that were populated. And uh, so we would walk out and... Soon as I got in the car with him, he would turn around. He would go in his pocket and he would pull out a bag of coke. Wow! And he'd like say here, and you know he would just give me the bag of coke, and we would start you know whipping it up in the car, you know, and go out. So um, that you know that was the beginning of my relationship with him as an adult. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now one of the more famous scenes in that movie is obviously the the restaurant scene where he grabs you know the guy I think it's Tony Darrow who actually plays that part, and he's. You know, saying, you know, I'm a clown later on with Ray Liotta. Was that an actual, based off any actual thing? Because I heard that that was actually something that happened to Joe Pesci in real life. And he told the story to Marty Scorsese and Marty put it in a movie. Was that anything that was based on anything that you were aware of? I mean, that was Billy Bats, right? That's what you prefer. Well, no, Billy Bats, I think, was the one that they killed later on. Yeah. This was a... it was just a random oh. guy in the club that he grabbed and he hit. Well, then after that, that him in, and Henry that, Hill. Okay, that was in that was in the that was in um the Bamboo Lounge. Yes. No, that that's not true because the Bamboo Lounge was owned by a guy named Danny Bamboo. I used to go in the Bamboo Lounge, so I have a good story about the Bamboo Lounge as far as the movie's concerned. So the Bamboo Lounge was a nightclub that this guy Danny Bamboo owned. That was a wise guy. That was with Paulie Vario. And I used to go into that club with my father, the Bamboo Lounge. So that's that's never happened with Tommy. Um, and the Bamboo Lounge, in the beginning of the movie, so the first time I went to see the movie, 
I was in the movie theater with a bunch of friends of mine. I never read the book, so we're in this movie theater, and the movie theater is packed with people, you know, and we're sitting there, me and a couple of my friends are there, and the movie starts, and there it starts out in the Pan Am room, mm-hmm. and that, not the Pan Am room, sorry, the Bamboo Lounge, and they're, and they're panning the Bamboo Lounge, and they're naming names, and then all of a sudden, they come to this character, and the, and the, and the voice says, Fat Andy, as soon as they said Fat Andy, all my friends went, that's your father. And the, and the whole movie theater heard it. And I, like, I was like, holy shit, that's my father. In this crowded movie theater. So, you know, that was the, that was the Bamboo Lounge. And that's probably how it might have happened to Joe Pesky somewhere else. But that's not what happened in that bar. Because Tommy could, would never do that to, to the guy that owned the Bamboo Lounge. Okay. Yeah, I think, actually, your father was portrayed by Louis Eppolito, correct? Yeah, he wasn't happy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was he was he was portrayed by one of the mafia cops who actually just died recently in jail. Yeah, he was portrayed, and my father never had a mustache. My father didn't like mustaches. A matter of fact, when I was in prison in 1978, I was in Elmira prison, and I was bored, and I grew a mustache. I was bored, and my father came to visit me. And I, I sat down in the visual room. He looked at me. He goes, "What's that shit on your face?" I said, "I grew a mustache." He goes, "You grew a mustache." He goes, "If you don't shave that off your face, I'll never fucking come here again to see you." He made me shave the mustache. So my father never had a mustache. So a quick question about that: What what is the reasoning for that? Because I'd heard that it, it helped. Like if guys had to go on the lamb, then they could grow facial hair right. and maybe stay a little bit more out of the public eye. To whereas if they had it, you know, they would kind of have a basically a sketch to go off of what they were like. Is that pretty true to form? Or? Yeah, I mean, like, so my father hated mustaches, but when my father actually did go on the lamb. He grew a beard to this, and and when he got arrested. He has a big gray beard, and a lot of these mugshots and a lot of these newspaper articles and stuff now that's online shows this picture of him with a beard. But in the mob in New York, facial hair was was there was facial hair was was uh, was a no go. Um, giving girls head was a no go. Mm-hmm. Like you know, don't you know? Like my father used to tell me. Don't ever do that, and don't ever believe they won't tell nobody because they're fucking liars. So just don't do it. You know, um, there are all these, you know, things, unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. But out of town, because what happened was, so th- my father was against the facial hair. You know, I'm in Miami with my father, and he's meeting these two wise guys from New Orleans over this construction thing, and they had mustaches. And I told my father, what's up with the fucking mustaches? I said, I, I don't understand. He goes, hey, that's from New Orleans. You know, you can't have a mustache. You know, <laughs> so I don't know, just some weird mafia thing with facial hair and white socks and guys that smoke pipes. My father said, don't, don't ever trust anybody that smokes a pipe and has white socks on. You know, like all these crazy things. <laughs> now, obviously, you know, they get the Lufthansa robbery to go off without a hitch, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. But in the movie, they portrayed a smaller robbery that went down. I think it was the Air de France robbery, and it shows uh, Tommy and Henry going in and picking up money. I think it was around like a half million dollars, that score. Was that accurate? Is that something they did pull off? Yeah, that was accurate. Yeah, you know, that was their crew. I mean, the reason back then, you know, um, Kennedy Airport was was like just walk in and take what you wanted. And they actually opened up Robert's Lounge which was right on Leffert's Blue, which was right across the conduit from Kennedy Airport. So they had easy access to the airport. And back then, 
you know, um, where, where we lived in that neighborhood, in Ozone Park, Howard Beach, when I was a ch kid, when that was going on, everybody in the neighborhood worked in only two places. Either they worked at Aqueduct Racetrack, which was, because the racetrack back then was booming. It wasn't like today with all the, you know, streaming networks and everything's on video. And back then, on Saturday, there was 40,000 people at Aqueduct. So everybody worked in Aqueduct Racetrack or Kennedy Airport. So they had a lot of ins, and that, that was true. And they were thieves. That's what they did. They were hijackers. The Lucchese's, Paulie Vario's crew was hijackers. My father's crew was hijackers because they were all out of East New York, all out of Ozone Park, which was right in the vicinity of Kennedy Airport. Right. So a lot of times in this movie, even by his own mother, he's referred to as a bit of a womanizer. You know, she's like, get your settled down, get yourself a nice girl, you know, like Henry over here. And he's like, you know, so I get down with a you know, nice one every night, Ma, you know, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Was he actually a womanizer in real life? Was he was he kind of a player or was that something that they kind of put a spin on for the movie? Was Tommy a womanizer? Tommy was definitely a womanizer. You know, you got to understand, he was a really good looking guy. He had a lot of charisma. He was well known. He had a lot, you know, he was a big earner. Um, yeah. There was even a, an actress he was going out with. And, you know, I've been trying to think of her name since I knew I was going to meet with you. And uh, and I, for the life of me, I can't think of her name. She, and and um, Connie Stevens, I think it was Connie Stevens, maybe. It might have been. But he used to carry her picture around in his pocket and show people her picture. And she was, like, crazy about him. You met her in Vegas. So, yeah, he was a big womanizer. He was married. He did get married to a friend of mine named Cookie. And that was actually part of his demise. That marriage really was the was the nail in his coffin, actually, which I'm sure we'll get to at mm -hmm. some point. Uh, yeah, but he was a big... But, you know, listen, we were all womanizers. It wasn't like he was doing something that nobody else was doing. It wasn't right. anything special, but he was, yeah, he was a womanizer. Women were attracted to him because, you know, he was a good-looking guy. He was in the mob for some reason, and they and and he had a lot of girls. And not only did he have a lot of girlfriends, you know, you want to talk about viciousness and everything. Actually... After Lutanza, he killed one of his girlfriends. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they chopped her head off and found her in the lake or somewhere out in Long Island and floating in the water because uh, she overheard something about Lutanza and, and they and they killed her. Wow. So that was one of his girlfriends because he had a wife and that was his girlfriend. And she was a, she was really a good-looking girl. I had met her a few times. She, I think she was a beautician. Um, I can't think of her name right now, but I remember her, she was a really pretty girl and Actually, she overheard something or there was some discrepancy. I mean, it's documented, and, and they wind up finding her, like, decapitated. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I did not know. So, yeah. that's again, here you can have some things that are also left out, and maybe they didn't put it in a movie, because I know a lot of times yeah. they kind of frown on the, the yeah. brutality of women and, and yeah. kids in movies like that. Yeah. So, that could be a reason why they left that out, if they even knew about it. Yeah. Um, one of the more pivotal points in that movie is you mentioned earlier the killing of when well, the movie they called him Billy Bats, but that wasn't that guy's actual real name, was it? William Venvena was yeah, what I've been yeah, told. Yeah. I mean, I never met him. I mean, I didn't know him. Um, he's, I mean, you know that I, I never really knew him personally. So you know, my father referred to him as Billy. I don't know, you know, what his real name is, but uh, you know, that was just one of the incidents with with, with Tommy. The other incident with Tommy that actually was part of his demise was um, his wife. So his wife, Cookie, who I knew for many years, she was actually best friends with my, my wife, Alice, at the time, my son's mother. Um, he was in prison, Tommy, and she started dating while he was in prison, 
this guy named Foxy who was with John Gotti, very, very close to John Gotti, a big earner, hijacker. Foxy, that's how, Tom, and they were good friends, him and Tommy, because they were both hijackers. They ran around together. They were really, really good friends. And uh, when Tommy came out, he was made aware that Foxy was fooling around with his wife. And um, he had access to Foxy's apartment because they were very close friends, allegedly close friends. And he actually killed Foxy in his bed. Foxy was sleeping in his bed and Tommy went up in his apartment and killed him in, in, in his, in his, right in his bed. So later on, John put up a, a stink and all these people started put, putting up. See, cause you see, in the mafia, let me clarify something. In the mafia, killing is, 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 is a good thing. Right. And to kill somebody, you have to get permission. There's protocols. You just can't randomly kill somebody. You have to get permission. It has to go up the up the up the ladder because they don't want you just killing people. Because first of all, it's bad business and it brings heat. So it's okay to kill somebody, but you gotta get permission to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. So Tommy was randomly killing people. They were killing drug dealers. At the end of the day, they started using cocaine. They started free basic cocaine. I even had an. I at one point didn't even want to be in his company. I loved the guy. There was a point in time where I was driving in a car with my brother and I heard a horn beeping and I looked to the side of me and it was Tommy DeSimone and this guy Anthony Stabile who was another psychopathic murderer, wise guy with the Lucchese's. Then they're telling me to pull over. So I pulled over and my brother's in the car and I got out of the car and I went to that car and I go, hey, what's up, Tommy? He goes, come on, get in. I got a package. We're going to go free base, free base, free base. You could cook it up for us. So I looked at him, I go, nah, it's okay, Tommy, it's okay, thanks, anyway, I, I got to go somewhere with my brother, and I went back to my car, and I got in the car with my brother, and I pulled out, and my brother said to me, what did they want? I said, they wanted me to go free base with them, he goes, and you said no? I said, say no, they'll, they'll fucking, they'll catch a fucking delusion and think I'm going to tell daddy or something, they'll fucking kill me, I'll disappear, they're killing everybody, I'm not going to go free base coke with them. So at the end of the day, I even didn't want to be in this guy's company, so what happened was, to, to make a long story short, after Foxy got killed, now they had to sit down, whatever they did, and John was close with Arnel Delacroach, mm -hmm. and, 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 and Tommy had to go. They decided Tommy had to go. Paulie agreed, Paulie, because without Paulie Vario had to agree. And, and what happened was my father was in prison. How I found out the end of the story was later on, like I said, we were friends with Bobby DeSimone. My father was on his, you know, he, they were on each other's case. So I spent a lot of time with Bobby, but he never really got into his brother disappearing, only that they told him he was going to get straightened out that day. And he actually thought, he, and he actually, his mother actually bought him a suit. Okay, that was wear. a question I right. had later yeah. on, was that yeah. actually accurate? Yeah, his mother actually that? bought him a suit for the occasion to get made that day, and, and that's how they got him. And, and from my, what I know, the shooter was Pete the Killer. And I know Pete the Killer because he was an old time. He used to come to Missouri with me to visit Paulie, Vario, and my father because we used to fly there a lot together. Me, Danny Cateo, uh, Pete the Killer, Tony Lee, we all would fly out to Missouri to visit them. And in Missouri, Paulie Vario told my father that John, after they decided Tommy had to go, John wanted to do it. John's crew wanted to do it. And when they met with O'Neill and Paul and Paul... Vario told Arneal and John Gotti that we clean our own laundry and Paulie's crew did it. 
So Paulie's crew killed Tommy. And uh, yeah, they, he thought he was going to get straightened out. So to make a long story short, my relationship with him started out as partying to where I wouldn't even want to get in the fucking car with the guy. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I've heard stories and rumors that John was the one that did it. Um, obviously, by what you're telling me, he wanted to do it. But that's interesting also that you say Pete the Killer because he's in that restaurant scene where they mentioned your father yeah, yeah. earlier in the movie as right. he's going around. I think he, the line he even says is, this is Pete the Killer, Sally Balls' brother. Yeah, yeah. I think he even says yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Pete now, the Killer was a cool guy. <laughs> well, when that hit went down, was Jimmy and Henry involved in it, like in the movie, or was that just kind of a one-off when, when Tommy was... You Nobody know? knew. Nobody knew that Tommy was, was going except the people that were involved in it. I mean, John knew. Nobody knew when it was going to happen or how it was going to... Once, once they got to... Once it was decided that he was going to go and once it was decided that who was going to do it, then it, it was all on them and nobody knew. It was, nobody knew when it was going to jump off. Nobody knew where it was going to jump off or how it was going to jump off. And they would never tell Jimmy ahead of time. Right. Yeah, they were never okay. told Jimmy ahead of time. Did, do you know if, because uh, after they kill him, uh, which was the part was played by Frank Vincent, who's a terrific actor. Uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, mm -hmm. so rest in peace to Frank Vincent. But they had to relocate the body later on because they were building some apartments buildings, I think. So they had to go back, dig them up, and, and relocate them. Do you know any, that if any of that was true? Huh? That wasn't Tommy. In the movie? Tommy's body was never. No, no, no. I'm talking yeah. about Billy Bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bats. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I said, that's the Lucchese family, and we did it ha probably because I know it has happened. You know, um, not to change the subject, but um, my father's crew killed a guy named Mando, and they buried him in upstate New York, and it was the same type of incident, and uh, they had a get him out of there and this guy and my father had this guy with him named Ralph who has passed away now and Ralph had to go up there and dig up the body and because uh, they killed the guy in Easter Parkway and um, they had to relocate his body so ha it happens if they did that to, to Billy I don't really know because like I said they weren't I wasn't in their crew as far as Henry Hill's yeah. book I mean Henry you know Henry my father never liked Henry yeah. never liked Henry <clears throat> My father used to call them derogatory names that aren't politically correct anymore. Um, so I, I don't want to repeat them, um, what he used to call them. But he never liked them. For some reason, he just never liked them. And Henry knew my father never liked them. So when, my, when we would go, when, you know, when I would be out with my father and we would run into Henry, he would like hello and goodbye, my father. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas Tommy... Loved my father and hung out with my father. Paul Evario loved my father hung out with my father. Jimmy Burke, the same thing, loved my father. I dated Jimmy Burke's daughter, Catherine, when we were kids. She was like one of my first girlfriends. But for some reason, my father never liked Henry. And uh, so when I was out alone and I would run into Henry, he was always respectful of me because, you know, I was Fat Andy's son. And he would talk to me and, you know, hello, goodbye, and we would have conversations. But that was about it. But... A lot of stuff in the book he fabricated. He made himself more important than he really was. Yeah, he hung out with Paulie Vary. They had a great relationship. He did run around with Tommy and, and all of them. And he made a lot of, you know, he made money. He was a big drug dealer. He was a hijacker. But a lot of that book was fabrication, too. He wasn't as big of a gangster as he made himself out to be. And even in in, in, in Missouri, when we used to go visit my father and Paulie Vary, because they were in the Missouri, the federal prison, the hospital, and actually where John Gotti died. 
years Spring, later. Springfield, Springfield right? Yep. right. We would all go visit them there. And uh, and my father used to tell Paulie on the visit, I told you I never liked that fucking Henry. And my, Paulie used to go, please, Andy, don't start breaking my balls now. I'm pleased with this fucking Henry. I told you he was no fucking good. He used to tease him all the time about Henry. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably have to do an episode on that by itself, just yeah. because there's so many fabrications right. with Henry. He probably deserves his own yeah, yeah. own episode yeah. together. Yeah. Um, another thing, you kind of touched on it earlier too. Another scene that's quite a uh, memorable, and it's one of the first times I remember seeing Michael Imperioli on the screen, who would go on to play Christopher in The Sopranos. Yeah. Um, you know, he played Spider, and there was an instance where Tommy shot him in the foot. Um, did that? You, you said that did really happen. Yes. That really happened, and then later on, Tommy actually killed him. Okay, so that was my next question: yeah, Did he shoot yeah. him in the foot, and then yeah. did he go ahead and kill yeah, him? Yeah, and, and and that was um, yeah, that actually happened, and 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 at the time, a lot of people got upset with Tommy because you know he was just a kid, you know he was just a guy working, you know, and he was you know we back see back then it was the it was a different lifestyle than it's today. So back then we had these clubs, we had like we had poker games or dice games. And we had like sandwich guys and waiters. So we would have like you, even married couples or a guy's wife would be the cook. She would be in the kitchen cooking and they would sell plates of pasta or heroes and sandwich guys and waiters bringing, it was like a whole culture. And he was just a waiter that worked in the after hour joint, you know, and Tommy did that. Excuse me. A lot of people got upset with Tommy. It was, it, that That's that's all, all that stuff actually led to Tommy getting killed because, you know, you just can't do that. Yeah, the, do, do the mob kill people? Yes. You know, my father, you know, we were talking about driving in here today. My father used to tell me that in this life, all the people I killed deserve to get killed. There's a, nobody gets killed in this life without a reason. He used to say, out there in society, people get killed without a reason, which is wrong. And he used to say there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything, even to kill somebody. And that evidently, as far as the mob goes, that was the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, and you also touched on this earlier. You're, kind of, you're, you're picking the questions out, and you didn't yeah. even know about these until today. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. You know, the, the drugs that they showed Tommy... And, uh, you know, Jimmy Burke dealing and, and obviously Henry as well, but he was using probably just as much as he was trying to sell. All that was really going on. But did they, in fact, keep that from Paul Ivario? Was Paul as against drugs as he was portrayed in the movie or did he maybe know about it and turn a blind eye? No, he was he was definitely 100 percent against it. He was an old school mobster, Paul Ivario. I mean, there was no way he would OK them. He didn't listen he didn't need to sell drugs. That was Paulie Vario's crew. His He was the skipper, the captain of that crew. They were probably one of the biggest earning crew in the Lucchese family. They had Kennedy Airport. They had the, the Teamsters Union. They had, you couldn't, you couldn't do nothing in Kennedy Airport without going to Frank DeWop, who was with Paulie Vario. That was his right-hand man who... Then he later on became a captain, Frank DeWop, and they bugged his house. And that's how they started cleaning up Kennedy Airport when they bugged Frank DeWop's house. So they were making so much money with the hijacking, with Kennedy Airport, crap games. They had, my father and Paulie Valley had major, major dice games before the casinos in Atlantic City. They had dice games that I worked in. People used to come up and lose 30,000, 40,000 in, like, right, in a room like this with a dice table. It was it was crazy, you know, so he didn't eat, and he was definitely 100% against drugs. 
just like my father. They were just old school guys and they believed in the rules. And the rule was you couldn't sell drugs. So, you know, was it like John and them selling drugs and making out they didn't know? I don't think Paulie would allow it. So I don't think he knew. Um, and at the end, of, you know, it, it, it bit them in the ass at the end of the day, really. Yeah, as it, as it often does in that, uh, that game, even still today, you can only get away with something like that for so long. And a lot of the reasons why bosses like Paulie and some of the other guys didn't want to at least have anything directly do with it is the prison sentences because guys – you know, hijacking a truck, you could go do four years, five years, yeah. get out and go about your business. But not any and everybody is cut out to do 30 years in prison. No. Um, you know, not very many people yeah. at all. And, you know, that was kind of why they didn't want them. Yeah. But the lure of that money was just sometimes it was, it was too it was much big, for these guys. It was big, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, you know, and they were using, I mean, I mean, you know, Henry became an addict. Yeah. Even to the day he died, he was a drunk, an addict. You know, he, he struggled with addiction his whole life. Uh, you know, um, Tommy, you know, they were they were killing people. They were they were getting drug dealers here. They were getting Tommy Tommy De Simone and Anthony Stabile, who was another wise guy with the Lucchese's and Paulie Varys crew. They were killers. They were actually at the end of at the end of the road when I didn't want to get in the car with Tommy anymore. What they were doing is they were getting drug coke dealers, not coke dealers in particular, because that was their thing. They would get a coke dealer. And he would want to hang out with them because that was Tommy and Anthony. And they would use all his coke and then kill him. And the reason why they would kill him is so he couldn't tell anybody they were getting high with him. Because they didn't want it to get back to Paulie that they were getting high. Because it's one thing to them, to them old school guys, to sell it. But it's another thing to do it. To do it. I got away with doing it. First of all, I never did it on the extent they did it. But I got away, to do, I got away from doing it because... I had a personal relationship with John Gotti, and he liked me, and he was rooting for me, to, to and I was Fat Andy's son, so he was rooting for me to clean up my act, which I did, and he helped me. But they were doing it. I wasn't doing it and running around killing people like right. them. So, you know, that, that there's a fine line there. Yeah, I mean, you're already doing stuff that's risky, but when you add on stuff like that, it, it can attract more attention from the cops or the FBI. It's just it's a bad recipe all the way around. Now, the lure of that money also come in lieu of a famous hijack in the Lufthansa heist. <laughs> now, probably, at the end of the day, the perfect robbery, and because it was, it brought so much heat, it got a lot of people killed, and it almost it also brought a lot of heat by the FBI onto Jimmy's crew. So, in a way, it was a bad thing to get down to it, although the robbery itself was a great success. What do you know, you know, about the ins and outs about that? And was Tommy, like in the movie, they show him going, killing Stax Edwards, who was portrayed by young Samuel Jackson at the time. Was he kind of the guy that was sent to take care of a lot of these, I guess, what Jimmy Burke would consider loose ends or liabilities? Most definitely. You know, I have a personal relationship with, with that Lutanza. Um, the night they committed that robbery, my father was waiting for them because my father was good friends with them. He was waiting for them in Cafe Liberty. And after they committed that robbery and went to bring the stuff, the money and the jewelry to Vito, um, to Vinny Osiris' cousin's house, they dropped it off there. They actually went to Cafe Liberty and celebrated the, the robbery with my father till the next day drinking. And then later on, 
My father actually fenced all the jewelry for Lutunza, which came out at the last Lutunza trial with Vinny Asara because we had a gold and silver uh, um, exchange store and they brought all the jewelry to, to my, Jimmy Burke brought the jewelry to my father and he sold it. But getting back to the robbery, yeah. So what I knew, I knew Stax. I, I knew, matter of fact, how I met Stax was I had a, I had a, I had a beef with him in an after hour joint and he told me, cause he thought he was, he, well, he was a tough guy. And I was in this after hour joint one night and I was, something happened. I don't know. And he said something to me and he looked at me and he goes, if you weren't Fat Andy's son, I'd bust your fucking head, he told me. And then I just told him, you're going to bust my fucking head? I said, don't, don't worry about me being Fat Andy's son, scumbag. Let's go outside. And then somebody got in the middle. Oh, Woody is crazy. And we made up and we sort of became friends after that. And yeah, Tommy killed him because he left the van where he wasn't supposed to leave the van. Mm -hmm. And then Jimmy got paranoid. You know, you got to say they were all doing drugs. They were all coking it up. Cocaine makes you very paranoid. They were all paranoid. They was, and Jimmy got paranoid, and all these people started getting killed. And was Tommy the main guy killing them? Probably. I know he. I know Murray. Murray the wig. Mm -hmm. He was good friends with us. My brother. He, matter of fact, he owed my brother money. My brother used to shy lock the money, and we used to go. And that they killed Tommy. Killed him. That's portrayed in the movie. He's right. the one that brought them to score. Matter of fact, his wig store was right on Queens Boulevard. And he he was really tight with my brother, Murray. And he was always in the racetrack with us. They killed him because he wanted his end. And, you know, later on it came out that the reason why a lot of these people got killed is not because Jimmy didn't trust them. It's because Jimmy didn't want to give them their rent. Yeah, he wanted I to mean, keep let, their let's be Let's be realistic. You know, my father used to tell me money makes people do funny things. You know, so... At the end of the day, like I say all the time, it's all about the dollars. And, you know, and did Paulie okay them to do that? Probably. Because, you know, you're talking about six million. You're talking about over a million dollars in jewelry. And, you know, and it's even funny because as far as the jewelry is concerned, the reason why they brought my father to jewelry is because they don't want to whack it up with anybody. They don't want to kick any more up top. When they... Vinny Asara and Jimmy Burke brought my father to jewelry and for Lutunza, him and his partner. It was because they trusted my father to sell the jewelry and not tell nobody so they could whack up the money between them. And that's what my father did. My father, Tony Lee, sold all the jewelry. My father's end was a half a million dollars from the jewelry. My father made, you know, him and his partner made a half a million. And they're in, and they got the rest, of course. So that's why they brought it to my father. So at the end of the day, was it about that he didn't trust him? That was part of the reason, but another part of the reason was he wanted to keep the fucking money, mm -hmm. you know. And I used to, we used to tease his daughter because after he went to jail, after we, he went to jail, his daughter opened up a diamond store right on Canal Street in the Diamond Exchange in Manhattan. <laughs> she still has it. And we used to tease her, you got the fucking money. You got that Lutonza money. No, I don't. No, you got the Lutonza. Because if anybody knew where that money was, it was hookers. Jimmy was tight with her. She was the oldest child. And, you know, and uh, Frankie, his son Frankie, had gotten killed already when he was in prison. Frankie, he named his son Frankie and Jesse after the James brothers because he was crazy <laughs> like that. He liked that they were his idols. And uh, and Kathy was the daughter. And then he had another daughter, too. Cookie, I forgot her name. The, the other daughter's name. But, uh, yeah, we used to tease her that she had the Lutonza money. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and that robbery, I mean, still talked about it this day. I don't think anybody's ever actually went down for it. I mean, yeah. one person went, one person got convicted. The guy that gave them the key to the door, 
the worker in, in Kennedy Airport. He was the only person that got arrested for it. That, well, not the only person that got arrested. He was the only person that got convicted for it. Later on, just recently, Vinny Sauer got indicted for it, mm -hmm. but uh, he was found not guilty. I actually right. testified at that case, and yep. he, he, was, uh, he was found not guilty. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and that's crazy because so long ago, you know, that robbery happened is still being, you know, investigated and looked into even today. So it's just something that the way they pulled it off definitely stood the, the test of time. Yeah. Now, we spoke a little bit earlier, you know, about Tommy actually being clipped and you said that that it was accurate and then his mother bought him a suit. Was there any sort of rumblings or what was the what was the feel was it he was acting too tough or acting too crazy and he was going to be eventually be a liability to the family so it was a decision that was you know had to be done because i often kind of relate him there's a guy out in philadelphia his name was salvi testa he was the yeah. son of chicken man phil testa yeah, yeah. who got a you know a bomb put up on his porch mm -hmm. who it took off after angela bruno got killed right and he was kind of going to be the next heir apparent and nikki scarfo wound up taking him out and people hated that because they love Sally. Was Tommy loved or was it kind of a, okay, well, you know, that needed to be done. Yeah. But you see, Sal, that, you know, Nikki did that with permission from the commission. Right. Nikki didn't do that on his own. So Nikki, the commission gave Nikki the okay to take him out. So that's, you know, so that, that that's a different scenario. Tommy, when Tommy disappeared, People, you know, like I said, you can't kill nobody without permission. That's a, alone against that's a death sentence. If I, if you, if you're in the mob and you kill somebody without putting it on record, that right there is a violation. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. He did that. Number two is um, he was crazy. They knew he was, you know, they knew he was violent. They knew he was uncontrollable. And when he disappeared, only the people that really cared about him, you know worried about him or, right. or had any kind of feelings but everybody else nobody really uh, gave it a second thought because they knew the path he was on he was going to get killed you yeah. know it was just a matter of time and he probably knew that too or he and 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 that's why they told him they were going to straighten him out and they sort of like I guess when 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 they told him that that was a good way to get him in because maybe he figured it was okay once he got straightened out, you know, everything would be fine and they would forget about all that stuff. Because he had to know, he had to know that what he was doing was wrong. He was in the life. I mean, everybody knew, I knew it was wrong. Everybody that I that I knew knew it was wrong. He had to know it was wrong. He had to know the things he was doing got people killed. Yeah. But he just didn't give a fuck because he was crazy. You know, and, and that's why they told him, we're going to straighten you out. Because that, listen, all our goals were... To get straightened out. I mean, that was what, we, what if you're going to be in that life and you don't want to get straightened out, what the fuck are you doing in that life? That's the goal of an Italian guy. I mean, Jimmy couldn't get straightened out, but he didn't need to get straightened out because Jimmy had the respect of, of, of a wise guy regardless because, you know, like Joe Watts around around John Gotti. John Gotti put out, out word that Joe Watts was supposed to be was to be treated like a captain. He was English. Tony Lee, my father's partner, was was out of his mind when, when, when John put that out into the street. He was besides himself. How the fuck could he say, you know, this guy ain't even a tyrant. And he was, they were so old school, Paulie Vario and my father told me that Joe Watts, who was English, 
was allowed to kill a wise guy for John. Um, that was friends with my father, Tony. Tony was so mad that he allowed a non-friend to kill this guy. Like Tony, they believe in murder so much and how to, how how to do it and 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 to justify it that Tony Lee felt that because this guy was a wise guy that another wise guy should have killed him, not Joe Watts, because Joe Watts wasn't Italian and he wasn't a wise guy. So Tommy had to know. Tommy knew this. And and to clarify for some of our listeners that may not know 100% what you're saying when you say straightened out, that means to, to be a made guy, to be made into the family. And the rule that we're referring to that Tommy broke, especially with the instance with Billy Bats, was Billy at that time was a made guy. Tommy was not. And so when you do that type of thing, when you do cross that line and commit the murder, it's ultimately a death sentence. And to a certain extent, that helps create or, or you know, establish order amongst the families. If you didn't have that, people would just be killing any and everybody for, for any reason at all. So it, it does have its its purposes and its rules, you know, set in place for that reason to kind of keep order amongst the family themselves. You know, you kill somebody without permission, that's not a wise guy. That, that's going to get you jammed up. But when you kill a wise guy or hit a, even throw a punch at a wise guy, that's a death sentence. I mean, they didn't go out and say, Tommy, when, after Billy got killed, they didn't make announcements they killed him. They denied they killed him. You know, it's like, it's like I, when I, you know, it's like I had, you know, there used to be, you know, I even fights. I had, a, I had, a, there was, um, there was a club in Manhattan called the Red Parrot. It was on 53rd Street years ago in the 70s. Paul Castellano owned it. I knew Paul Castellano owned it. I'm in there one night with my brother. We have a fight. We beat the shit out of two guys. Me and my brother fucked these two guys up, right? The next day, my father, the next afternoon, I'm asleep. My father comes down in the basement, wakes us up. What the fuck? We're using the, what the fuck did you do last night? I said, what are you talking about? You had a fight in the fucking Red Parrot? So we said, yeah. He said, you didn't use no Paul Castellano on that place? No. He said, I got to go there now. He just sent for me. I got to go see this fucking guy. So he went there and he and he said, listen, if my sons would have known it was your place, they would have never done that. You know, it's like, I didn't kill Billy Bats, but, you know, everybody knew Billy Bats did it. And, yeah. you know, everybody knows Tommy did it. Yeah. So I guess at the end of the day here in this particular episode, other than the noticeable size difference, which you can't really do a whole lot about that on film, the movie seems to be fairly accurate. You know, first, well, let's let's talk about Joe Pesky first, and and he was great. Like I said in the beginning of, of it, he was great in it. He was great in it. He won the Academy Award, but he was definitely miscast as far as looks or yeah. height or built. I mean, definitely miscast. Tommy was like I said, tall, handsome, looked like a movie star. You know, was a movie star. You know, and as far as that movie is concerned, the best way I could explain that movie is with my own personal experience. So, like I said, I went to see the movie with my friends and the incident happened with my father. So now I'm, I'm in the theater and that they pan the, the, the bamboo lounge and they say, Fat Andy, to all my friends, that's your father. And the whole movie theater is like, whoa, you know, and I'm sitting there now. Now I'm like, holy shit. When I watched that movie for the very first time in the movie theater, that I relived, that was my life. Everything in that movie theater I did. I sold cigarettes. I worked in those clubs. I worked in those dice games. I stole in Kennedy Airport. I knew every character in the movie. It was like so real for me, you know. And, you know, I, 
I had a therapist then because I, I just had got out of treatment. And I went to see my therapist and we talked about the movie. And I said, you know, it was my life. She actually went to see the movie to get a better understanding of me because it was so real for me. Even though I knew some of it was bullshit because I knew Henry was full of shit at some, some of it. But, but it was just very realistic. And I think that's one of the best mob movies made the most realistic ones that and casino i mean casino was really good that was another pretty realistic movie but Fellows was probably the most realistic for me because i had a relationship with the people in it you know and and that was my life that's you know that that's how i was raised and I, and um that's why it stood the test of time you know i yeah. mean the godfather was excellent but you know the godfather at the end of the day you know I loved it, but, you know, I didn't live like that. Right. You know, I, I didn't live like that, you know, and a lot, you know, but, but Goodfellas was a completely different story. Absolutely. Well, it seems like Tommy's story was uh, pretty true to form to the movie. That's not going to be the case for everybody else in this movie, as we've uh, already said, but I do think it's probably a time to uh, extend condolences to Ray Liotta and his family. Uh, he, again, portrayed Henry Hill in this movie, and sadly, we lost him uh, a, a little few weeks back. So uh, condolences to his family. What a terrific actor he oh, was. Oh, great actor, and he was much better looking than Henry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, I am Hollywood Wade. That was Anthony Ruggiano, Jr., and unfortunately, we are out of time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Behind the Gangster on Tommy DeSimone. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Everybody enjoy that episode. If you did, please go on over to the YouTubes, like, and subscribe over there. If you watched it, I'm sure you had a good time on the audio side of things, folks, as you probably well know, we are on Stitcher. We are on Amazon. We are on Google. We are on obviously the favorite Spotify and Apple. Please go rate and review. Give us five stars, purple hearts, anything you can do to drive us up the charts. Now, we don't put our hands in your pockets right now, folks. We're not trying to extort you out of any money. But what you can do to help out the show is use your social media platforms. Share the show. Share it on Spotify. Share it, you know, share it on the YouTube. You can put the links on your Facebook social media. You can follow us and like us on there, too. We're on Facebook at Crime and Entertainment. We're on Instagram at Crime, the letter N, and Entertainment. We're also on TikToks at Crime and Entertainment. So we're trying to get everywhere that you guys are to spread the word about the show. That's the easiest way to help us out. That's your Christmas gift to old Hollywood. Share the show, refer it to a friend. Nothing helps us out more than getting our name out there, folks. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this first edition of Behind the Gangster. Hopefully a lot more to come in that because I had a blast recording that. So tune in next week for an all-new episode of Crime and Entertainment.